Very good. Second Corinthians chapter 1. And we start out with the first few verses here this morning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Second Corinthians chapter 1. I think he mentions apostle of Christ and uh, of Christ Jesus by the will of God, just to let us know that this is not only his words. Or this, is the, this does not come from Paul, necessarily. He speaks on behalf of God. That's why he says he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. You know, not from himself. These are God's words. Yes. He is the sent one. He is the messenger of Christ by God's will. By God's doing. Emphasizing that. Look at verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting because these are the Corinthians. They, they had given him a very hard time. And so first he starts off by saying, look, this comes from God. And secondly, he w truly wishes them grace and peace. He mentions what every human being needs, <laughs> grace and peace. But most important is the source of these blessings. All grace and peace comes from God the Father and Christ. <laughs> but you know, not only grace and peace come from Him, there is more. Verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort. Mercy and comfort also come from this great God of ours. Grace, peace, words, and now mercy and comfort. Two beautiful titles of our God are given here. One, He is called the Father of Mercies. What a beautiful title, huh? And, uh, and, and, and the word father, he is, you know, is very special. It's a very precious word. Because a father denotes one who provides for, like a source. And so he's saying God is the father of mercies because all mercy originates with him. He is the source. All mercy we receive in our life in any shape, in any form, they flow from our loving Father of mercy. You can only get it from Him. <laughs> he is the source. The word mercy here means compassion, pity. What one shows for the sufferings of others. It's just that compassion, that pity. It's a lesser form of the word mercy that is regularly used. This is just the compassion, the pity for someone who is suffering. And you'll see why that is important in a minute. But notice that the word mercy is in plural. He is the father of mercies. Because all mercy comes from him. Mercy, 
he does not only do one act of mercy and then it's gone. <laughs> no. Because God is the source. Because God is the Father. His mercy is abundant. His mercy is unlimited. Mercies. <laughs> Continuously and and you cannot even count them. He is the source of all of them. The one who showers us with his mercies and loving kindness. Another title of God here is He is the God of all comfort. Hmm. You see why I mentioned the word mercy? Because this God not only feels and pities. This God not only has compassion and stays there. You know, like how we can do, oh, I'm so sorry for you. But sometimes I can't do anything to truly help. I don't have that power sometimes. I am glad that he, that he says he is the God of all comfort. Not only the God of all mercies. He not only feels, he does something about it. He not only has compassion. He acts. He doesn't just stay there. He provides the comfort. He provides the consolation. He is the God of comfort. He is the balm of Gilead. The Father God of all comfort. He feels, he has compassion, and he comforts you. That word comfort is beautiful, is rich. You know, it's the word parakaleo, which means called to one's side to help. The word called to one's side to help. That's what the word comfort means. The word implies that one party strengthens another party. Strengthens another. The word communicates the idea of one person standing alongside another to encourage. Standing alongside another to strengthen. Standing alongside to support his friend or his companion. That's what comfort means. This is important, beloved. <laughs> because listen to what Warren Wiersbe says on this. We should not think of comfort in terms of sympathy. Sometimes we confuse them. <laughs> now, sympathy can weaken instead of strengthen us. When I'm going through a, through a hard time, I'll be honest with you, I do not like when someone tells me, oh, I'm so sorry for you. It doesn't give me a challenge. <laughs> It doesn't push me to do anything. It just makes me feel, woe is me. And that's not what comfort is. It's to strengthen. It come, he says, sympathy can weaken us instead of strengthen us. God does not pat us on the head and give us a piece of candy or a toy to distract our attention from our troubles. That's good. Now, he says, He puts strength into our hearts 
so we can face our trials and triumph over them. That's comfort. Our English word comfort comes from two Latin words meaning with strength. I remember when I was going through a very dark period of my life in um, years ago transitioning in ministry and as I was sharing with Mrs. Couch you know um, she did not tell me oh you poor thing you know she told me Raj do not let Satan win in this I remember those words I'll never forget them because it gave me a purpose to fight after what had happened and I needed something to move forward to, not stay where I am, not just stay there. Wordsby continues saying, it's the same word used for the Holy Spirit. We know it. Parakaleo, Paracletes, the comforter. He is at our side through thick and thin, up or down, fear or courage, rich or poor, sick, or healthy. End quote. Warren Worsby. That's the one who comes beside you and gives you what you need. That's a comforter. Yeah. Now, is there any kind of comfort that one needs that this God cannot provide for or that he does not have? No. It says he is the God of all comfort. All. Is there any situation or circumstance that he cannot give you the strength you need? Is there any discouragement, any tragedy, any loss, any heartbreak that you've experienced in which he cannot lavishly pour his comfort on you? Not for the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. There is none. All comfort. And this is further confirmed by verse 4. Look at verse 4. <laughs> Who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Oh, that's rich. First, he says, He is the one who comforts. Yes, we are comforted at times by other believers. Something we read, maybe reading a book or something we see, but beloved, it all comes from Him. If you have felt comfort, it came from Him through whatever soul, through whatever means. He is the one who comforts. Many can talk. Many can try to do things to encourage or comfort a person. But with all that, the consolation that a person truly needs can only come from him. So we would save a lot of time if we go to the right source and not seek comfort in other places which will leave us empty. Second, we see here that he comforts us in all our afflictions. 
all kinds and degrees of afflictions, troubles, distresses, no matter what. From Him proceeds all and every kind of comfort to meet all and every kind of need. And this is our great God. Third, He does not comfort us one time or most of the time. The word comfort is in the Greek in the present tense. Generally, it means it's a continuous action. He continually comforts us. He will never stop doing that. Also, notice later in the verse, it says, with the comfort with which we are comforted, not were comforted, not in the past, the comfort which we are comforted by God. It's in the present, it is continuous, and it is forever. This is what uh, our God of comfort does for us. It's there. He is there. So, beloved, why is it that suffering comes to our lives at times? So we can, through that suffering, know the sweet, close fellowship and fullness of His comforting grace and mercy. We would never experience it without suffering. This kind of comfort that only He can give. But now let's look at another question. Why does He comfort us? Why is it that He does that? Well, obviously because He is the Father of mercy and God of... He is the good and compassionate God, the God of all comfort. Yes, we saw that. But notice another very important reason why we are comforted by Him. So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. That's why. So when we are comforted, we should seek to pass on this comfort to others. That's our response to the comfort of God in any way or shape or form. You see, beloved, we are not comforted to be comfortable. We are comforted to be comforters. It's the flow of His Spirit doing His work through us and to others. We see another lesson here in regards to suffering. Suffering has a greater purpose. Suffering is for you, for me, and for others. It's for others too. If you are suffering now, God has a greater purpose for it. It will not end with you. God has chosen you to come alongside somebody else and provide that comfort in their life. Suffering is not just me and that's where it ends. No. 
the fruit of it extends and will extend if we allow God to do His work through us. Now we may think, but I'm not equipped to comfort another. I don't feel I am prepared. But note what it says. We will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Any affliction. That's powerful. Really? We can do that? If you have suffered, if you have received comfort from the Lord, then you are equipped to give words, understanding, and compassion to somebody else with the comfort you have received. That's why he says, how? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, beloved, this is not about having a degree or much studying. No. This is about using what you have gone through to help others in what they are going through. That's it. This is about having received something from the Lord and now giving it to another. And so we do not need special studies for that. Our fellowship with the Lord equips us for that. The writer J.M. Barry, he tells how his mother lost her dearest son. And then he says, That is where my mother got her soft eyes, and why other mothers ran to her when they had lost a child. No degrees, no studying. But something that happened in her life changed her, touched her, and it attracted so many other mothers to come to her. Verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant. Yes, if we are true Christians, we honestly will probably have a lot of sufferings. Small and big, they overflow. We suffer rejection, hatred, mockery, persecution, discrimination, because these were also the sufferings that our Savior Jesus endured. That's why we go through them as well. The sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, but that's not the only thing that will abound. As we suffer more for the cause of Christ, our comfort from God will also be abundant. That's what it says. So also our comfort is abundant. I like the word abundance because it, it means to richly overflow, to excel. To surpass. That's the kind of comfort that will be given to us. The very consolation from Christ. It says through Christ. What do we see here? Comfort follows suffering. And abundant comfort follows abundant suffering. Comfort follows suffering. And abundant comfort 
follows abundant suffering. Those are his glorious promises. Verse 6. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. So Paul is saying, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. Let's look at that. If the apostles are being afflicted, a couple of things will happen. First, it says it will be for their comfort. The Corinthians will see the sufferings of Paul and they will be encouraged to know that they are not alone in their afflictions. Paul and the apostles were also going through them. This, in turn, could encourage them to persevere, to endure, as they see the example of Paul and others. It comforts them in that way. They would learn that if God could give Paul grace to suffer, he could give the Corinthians grace as well. They needed to see that. And I will come on this and will touch on this in a minute. Beloved, that's why others need to see our sufferings. But just hold that thought. Then he says, for your salvation. What does that mean? Uh, if we're afflicted, it is for your salvation, for your comfort and salvation. Well, basically, and, and many explain it like this, that Paul and the missionaries went through the sufferings to be able to bring the gospel. The gospel of salvation, the message of salvation to the Corinthians. And we know Paul went through shipwrecks, hunger, imprisonments, following Christ, going all the way to Europe to give the gospel to the Corinthians. You know, he does not mention this to boast, but he's mentioning this because there were many who were accusing him, many attacking him, yeah. that he was not a genuine apostle. And so he says, no, this is for your salvation. This is for you. Then he says, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Related to this, when Paul and the apostles receive comfort from God, it is that comfort that they are going to share and give to the Corinthians. Because he just said that. We are comforted to be able to comfort others. Paul would comfort the Corinthians as he is comforted by God. This is such a great teaching for us in regards to suffering. Beloved, when one suffers, everybody wins. When one suffers for Christ, everybody wins. And we need to see that. We are afflicted to learn more, to understand more about our God, so that we can give more of God to others more of the comfort of God to others. So in other words, Paul is saying, if we go through problems, sufferings and pressures and burdens, it should not end with us. It won't end with us. 
beauty will rise from these ashes in our lives and for all of you. If they're for Christ, God is so big that he will make many be blessed. Many will win. Uh, but note, all of this will be true. You will receive comfort. But if it says in the, it is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings. Not to seek to get away from it or to avoid it. But to learn from it. To submit to, the, to our God during it. And let him do his work in our lives. We receive grace and comfort. When we patiently endure it. So that God can give us what we need. To be able to then give others. Verse 7. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Paul is absolutely confident and certain about something. What is that, Paul? Sufferings do not come alone. They are always followed by the comfort of Christ. Our hope is firmly grounded here. This is not my opinion, says Paul. If the Corinthians were sharers of the sufferings of Christ, they would most assuredly be sharers of the comfort of the Great Shepherd. This was his firm, grounded hope. And hope in Scripture is not, I hope so, but a sure certainty. Verse 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. What was that burden in Asia? Uh, we don't, uh, I'm not sure. We don't, we don't know for sure, but perhaps it refers to the dangerous riot that broke out in Ephesus. Perhaps the beatings, the, the deadly disease, we don't know for certain, but it was something that could have ended his ministry and could have ended his life. It was that excessive. Okay. But what we do know is that they were all overwhelmed beyond their ability to endure. They were under so much pressure that they despaired of life. They felt that it was their last day. Now why does Paul mention this? To show the Corinthians and to show us that even with that kind of excessive burden and affliction, the apostles received an abundance of comfort. How much more our afflictions and sufferings will receive his comfort. The last time I checked, I don't think I've gone through a burden that I despaired of my life. He did. 
he will mention now another reason for your sufferings and your ministry. Look at verse 9. Indeed, we had a sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. I mean, this was so bad that humanly nothing could be done. Paul says, death stared us in the face. Why does God do that sometimes? Why does God work like that at times? So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead. So we would not depend on our strength. So that we would not trust anyone or anything else but Him. God wanted wanted him to trust like Abraham. Trusted that even if he killed his son, God would raise him from the dead. But beloved, this is not about us. This is not about our faith. Oh, I need to have that much faith. No, no, no. Our faith is as big as the object of our faith. And who is the object of our faith? God. These things happen so we can see what kind of God we have. Big troubles, big afflictions, because of a very big God. That's why. So we would not trust ourselves. So we would not depend upon weak strength human strength, but on a God who can raise from the dead, on a God who does the impossible, a God who is for us and because of whom we cannot lose. We've read the book. I love what someone said. We've read the book. We've read the end. We win. (laughs) Always. With this God, we can't lose. Even if, even if death comes. But even if the situation is so burdensome that our faith and our rest can be on this God to show us what He can do and how great He is and there is nothing that can stand against Him. We can trust His God because of verse 10 who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us He on whom we have set our hope, and He will yet deliver us. We can trust this God because this God has delivered from so great a peril of death. And because Paul has seen and experienced the rescuing power of God, he can say with pure faith and confidence, He will yet deliver us. However many times it takes, He will yet deliver us for us to fulfill our mission and purpose. Beloved, do you realize that you are immortal until God says so? Nothing is going to happen to you until it is His time. You have nothing to fear. No, but not a mosquito can bite you. If it's not his time and his way and his purpose. 
this is what led missionaries to go to dangerous places. This is what led my wife to work in inner city St. Louis. When I heard that, I was like, ah, come, come, come over here soon. In the inner city. But, but if God has given us a purpose and a mission, I did not particularly enjoy leaving my family and going to a Muslim country for 12 days. But it's not something that I just felt, you know, God, you have opened this. I'm going to be praying to you because I knew about this months before. Only you. You've got to open this because I don't know if I'm going to come back. I got two young little ones. I got a wife. You know, it's different. <laughs> it can only come from God, you know? Only He can. What is this point? If God has delivered us, how could He not deliver them and the Corinthians from the afflictions and sufferings in their life, in this life? What about us? If God has delivered us from death and hell, how could He not deliver us from our trials, pains, diseases, and anguish? He has done the greater. That's why we could say, and that's why He could say, He on whom we have set our hope. Wiersbe again says, Sometimes God delivers us from our trials, and at other times He delivers us in our trials. Finally, verse 11. You also, joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf, for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. <laughs> I love this because it's not, this is not God will help us and that is it. We don't need you. No, this is not about that. That's not the way a Christian lives either. No. Paul says God will deliver us, but by you helping and joining by your prayers. See, the Corinthians knew about this great trial that had happened to Paul, but they probably did not know the seriousness of the situation, what he was going through. And Paul wants to tell them that their prayers were important. They were essential, and they will continue to be. Because God delivers, but He does it through prayers of others the prayers of others. This is another perspective we can see of suffering here. The idea of suffering is not meant to be experienced alone. And that's where the adversary puts us. I used to watch boxing when I was unconverted. And it would just fascinate me how a boxer would always try to get his opponent in the corner and knock him dead if he can keep him in that corner. And you would always hear the coach saying, get out of that corner, 
find a way to get out because that's where that's it you know way out and he has you enclosed as opposed to the whole ring but suffering is not meant to be experienced alone others can and should be involved in our sufferings by comforting by joining in helping through your prayers through their prayers beloved that is why we must share our burdens you are not meant to take them alone sometimes they're too many sometimes it's too much we must share them there is someone who wants to pray for you there is someone who wants to share a word who wants to encourage and comfort you that is why he gave us the body of Christ that's why he gave us one another that's the one of the reasons for the church and why are these prayers so essential he says so that many can give thanks Paul says I want you to join in praying for me so that when God answers you and many who prayed can give many many thanks to God and why do you want many thanks Paul because God is glorified in the giving of thanks that's one of the ways to honor and glorify God I think we see now why he did not want them to be unaware of his afflictions in Asia not for boasting no because suffering should not be alone and thanksgiving should not be done alone when was the last time you had a thanksgiving meal just you not meant to be so not meant to be so in conclusion beloved i believe god is giving us a much bigger and better perspective of our sufferings for Christ here suffering happens so that we can experience the gracious and merciful comfort of god comfort follows suffering next abundant suffering will produce abundant comfort third suffering can lead to the salvation of others if that suffering was to share the gospel as Paul did for suffering is for you and for others our suffering can be an example to encourage others suffering is so we can receive comfort and comfort comes so as to comfort others in their afflictions suffering comes to increase our faith so that we would not trust in ourselves he said but in god next suffering is not meant to be alone others can and should be involved in sufferings others need to comfort you others need to pray others need to give thanks yes beloved god brings this so he can show you how much he 
can do. God brings this to show us how much He is working in your afflictions. God brings this to show us how many are blessed and can be blessed when this happens. God brings this so that you and I can see what a great and all-sufficient God we have. To Him be glory. Let's pray.